Welcome to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have all of you listening today. Dr. Holm, our Prairie Doc, is here with us now, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's a physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings, a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine, and he also does research with South Dakota State University. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joan Holm. Now, what's with the mustache? Too lazy to shave? Too lazy. Okay. Mustache and beard. Yeah. He looks like a sailor. Yeah, my shiver me timbers. Shiver me timbers man. Okay. (laughs) Well, how's everything going for you this week, Dr. Holm? Uh, I think I'm coming around a corner, you know, this week. Uh, It's been, uh, you know, the the issue about uh, chronic pain is this has been an experience with chronic pain I've not ever had. You know, I've not been a person who's had pain of any kind for long periods of time. Should we just give a prelude? There are one or two people that have never heard you before, and we'll let them know that you are now three weeks following major surgery for cancer. Right. And you are a survivor. I'm three weeks after a Whipple procedure, which uh, I'd rather call a whoopee procedure. You know, you you sit down on a whoopee cushion, and it surprises you a little bit. Well, that's what this does. It, it kind of surprised it me. It really surprised you. So you say you turned a corner this week. Well, I mean, you know, if here's the deal. So you're, you've got this chronic pain that's just dragging on you, all right, in your belly. And it's like a heartburn that's going on at the same time as, as there's, a, you know, a coal that's burning a hole in the center of your system. And then you've got this diarrhea, constipation kind of whole system trying to work its way out and you're trying to come out of a of a haze that they put you into for about a week you tell me you're turning a corner right and now it sounds so, miserable so you're on you're in pain medicines and of course the pain medicine causes you More know less, problems. less awakefulness and it, your gi tract doesn't know what it's doing when it's on opioids and so you're trying to back off on pain medicines uh well you get to a point where the pain is lessened by the fact that it's gradually getting less. You know, it's just get going away a little at a time, gradually getting less. Uh, so then you say, okay, I'm gonna have to be on less opioids. So you cut back the opioids until the pain's back and you go, oh, too much. Too much cut back. Too, too much cut back, you gotta, you gotta back it slowly. So how much do you cover? You know, that's the issue. And you know, the right amount is that you still have some pain and that you live with a certain amount of pain and that's okay. But that's the, it's a learning deal, you know, and you're on your own because nobody's standing above you controlling your pills or exacting what you're going to do. And, uh, you know, you have to be on your own. And the, the long and the short of the whole story is that c- people who are in pain are in pain, whether they, you know, you can see that some of it is manipulated and some of it is, you know, your, you've, your, your body is... Uh, wants to have the pain because you want the pain reliever you know what i mean there there's this whole chronic pain thing that goes on you can write there's books and books and books books written about what is chronic pain and i guess the long and the short of it is is it's uh i have a different perspective on it now <laughs> <laughs> once you've been but through i'm it, feeling better i'm coming around the corner i'm getting less and less it's more and more tolerable and uh you know i'm 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 just getting better every day. And well, that's a positive thing. Yeah, it I'm is. so happy to know that. And, you know, three weeks out, you're really looking good. Each time I've seen you, you look stronger. You're probably feeling stronger, too. I right? am. Good. Yep. And well, I look a little thinner, but, you know, people go, yeah, you look a little thin. 
And so you, that means that you need to be fattened up. And the answer is, no, I don't think so. I think, you know, I'm fine. Then it's okay. Yeah. If you're eating well, that's what counts. I, I had uh, cooks, uh, biscuits and gravy, egg, uh, some hash browns cooked in butter. Okay, I would uh, put on 10 pounds just looking at that I breakfast. <laughs> and you're just fine. That's what I had this morning. Wow. So Jay Van Duke and I had a, a, a business meeting this morning about healing words and about... Um, you got work done. Good. Well, done. we are going to take a break, but before the break, I just want to let you people know that we would like to talk medicine today. Give us a call, 692-1430. We will be back right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Rick Holm is here, ready to answer any questions of a medical nature, and thank you for listening to me. We did get a few calls in. One is an interesting one. A person called in and wants to know, how do I know if an injury is a strain or a sprain? When should I seek medical help? If it's a strain or a sprain, how do I know? You know, initially, you have a big, let's say you're, you're a basketball player and you really sprain the crap out of that ankle. Uh, you don't know that there isn't a fracture or, uh, you know, that the, the ligament has pulled away from the bone and there's a bone part that's You're just in away. pain, right? You're just in pain. And, there, and actually, in many cases, you cannot tell. I've, I've had, through my th years of practicing in Brookings in particular, you know, where I'm going, ah, that's not fractured. We'll just give it a few days and see how you do. A few days later, ooh. It's still hurting. Okay, we'll x-ray it. X-ray comes back and shows a, you know, a crack or a, f a fracture or a ligament, ligamentous pull of, of a piece of bone away from, you know, you see these things on x-ray. And the answer is, uh, is it better that you, you waited, or is it, was it wrong that you waited two or three days? No, it's not. I mean, then you, then you can call the orthopedist. Uh, then you can place yourself into a into a, in a stabilizing device of some kind. If you can avoid those, though, those are a nice thing. Sometimes you twist that ankle the next day, it's a little stiff but swollen, but it's not so bad, then you can walk a little bit on it, the next day it's even better. And then you've saved yourself, you know, all that x-ray and time and, um, and, and the cost of a brace that you could probably go without, you know. So this person calling, if they're in pain now, it's okay if they wait a day or two. They're not hurting themselves by waiting a day or two to see how it goes. Absolutely not. Good. Unless you're walking on something that is just is unbelievably painful and you're covering it up with a pain medicine. So that's that, not good either. Yeah, that's not good no. either. So if it's terribly painful, don't walk on it. That's the first thing. And yeah. give yourself a day or two to see if you can get back on it, if you can get a... Get, get crutches to kind of release some of the pressure off of it. And then after a little bit of time, if it's not getting better, then you seek some medical help. But you haven't gone damaged by waiting a couple of days. You that's good to know. Never, a lot of people don't no, know that. No, it won't okay. hurt you for a couple of days of okay. watching and waiting. Well, I good. think that's a good idea. Well, thanks for the call. You bet. Uh, then we have one from a person with heartburn. Sometimes I have heartburn. Previs said helps reduce the symptoms. Now I read that it might increase my risk of stroke. Isn't this fun? No matter what you do, you run into trouble. Right. Do you think this is true? And if so, if I'm risking stroke because it's helping my heartburn, what can I safely take for heartburn? Here's my answer to you. Uh, they have, there's been more Prevacid, more Prilosec, more Omeprazole, more 
of the proton pump inhibitors prescribed and now over-the-counter available that have been taken where uh, it's just huge amount to find a significant risk of a stroke they had to have a kajillion cases before you know one or two cases of stroke occurred the risk is very small it's there there's a small risk there's also a risk that you know you would take away your normal flora uh, by taking out the acid. And that's what milieu. these do if you take Prevacet or Prilosec. Right. You're removing right. acid. You're taking the acid down. And the acid has a purpose. So, you know, y there's some risk of overgrowth infections. And, uh, you know, there's some risks of, of uh, uh, pneumonias in acutely ill people that are on these drugs. So, but... but I think those risks are very low compared to the suffering that are that are that is helped by those drugs. So now let's just summarize those drugs. There are two groups. There's the proton pump inhibitors, which were the more recent invention, the omeprazole, the Prilosec, the Prevacid, the uh, um, uh, you know the I can't remember all the names. Okay, uh, but Proton pump inhibitors. pump inhibitors, and they really are powerful acid inhibitors, and they totally turn the acid off. And they're, uh, if you've got a chronic problem that is uh, unrelenting no matter what you do, uh, you know, there's, pro it's pro there's probably a, a place for the proton pump inhibitors. The H2 blockers, which are like ranitidine, which is Zantac, or Pepsid, which is, uh, I can't remember. So all, all these uh, H2 blockers are different than the proton pump inhibitors. They're milder, they're weaker, but they're faster. So let's say if you have an occasional as-needed heartburn need, the very best uh, pill I think that you can get is an over-the-counter ranitidine. It's a generic... Uh, it's a generic Zantac, uh, and and it works very good. Now, what they're selling now is a combination of Zantac with, you know, uh, I I think, uh, you know, Something some else. kind of oral uh, chewable antacids that we used to use Tums and Rolades. You combine. That's the tums next thing I was going to ask you about. What about Tums? If just Tums does it, is that a good thing to use? Yeah. We used to try to treat people when we didn't have the we didn't have the H2 blockers, which were the first things that we discovered, and then following that, the proton pump inhibitors. We didn't have either one of those groups of drugs, and we would treat people with what is the very best medicine. Well, Tums and Rolades were discouraged because, for one, uh, they're calcium-based, and then that that's taking uh, large doses of cal calcium, which can bring out problems if you if you don't uh, if you you're having uh, calcium balance problems and you know maybe five percent of the people do so that you've got to be careful about so those calcium. are dangerous everything you take can be dangerous right. obviously. and, and um, so we used to prescribe mylanum malox uh, by the gallon uh, and you can get um, uh, mylana 2 tablets, which I used to be, that was the thing I prescribed the most of, uh, Mylana 2 generic tablets.
tablets. You find the Mylana 2, then you find right next to it the generic version. You get the generic version. You try a tablet or two of that. You can buy them pretty cheap and combine them with generic ranitidine Zantec. And you've got a, that might be even double helpful. I think if you buy the combination pills, you're paying a pretty, pretty good price for the advertisement and the brand name and all that. So I would go the generic Zantec, which is called ranitidine. And if you want to add something more, I would go Mylana 2 generic. <laughs> so if this person taking Prevacid, why don't you just kind of forget the Prevacid for a while and use Dr. Holmes' suggestion of taking something milder that doesn't have quite the side effects the, of the, that, would that the, be it? Well, the only problem with the, the, yes. the, the Prevacid, stopping the Prevacid or stopping the Omeprazole or stopping the Prilosec or uh, uh, stopping those abruptly is you'll have idea. rebound hyperacidity. Oh, you can't win. The problem with those darn drugs, this is the real problem, is uh, this what is called tachyphylaxis. It loses its, its effect over time, but when you stop it, you have rebound the problem that you're trying to, to, uh, to cover up or to solve in the first place. So I don't take the long-term use of the Prevacid or the Prilosec unless it's absolutely needed. And then when, you, when you're ready to get off of it, you have to taper it gradually over a two-month period of time or well, keep more. that in mind two months to taper to get off wow of there were studies that showed that people who didn't you know they put people who had heartburn and people who didn't have heartburn they put them all on prevacid or they put them all on omeprazole or prilosec and then after a month or two there was no difference in group the people who had heartburn it got better the people who didn't have heartburn didn't make any difference when you stopped it all of them including the people who didn't have heartburn in the first place had heartburn. Oh, my. All right. So you have to taper it. Be That's careful. So there was a long story there. I'm sorry. Well, I know okay. that was a long story. They, they asked it, and it really helped. I think a lot of people do have heartburn. some type of heartburn, and, and this is helpful. And the least offensive, the, the least uh, after side effects would be... As needed, ranitidine, which is also Zantac. And I would, I would say if you're having problems and you're starting to get into trouble, use... And as needed, uh, uh, ranitidine, uh, which, which is, is Zantac. Zantac. Okay. And if that doesn't cover it, then you have to go to the other thing. Talk to your doctor about the the Prevacid or the Omeprazole. But recognize that if you're on it, don't get off it immediately. Taper over Taper a long it. period of time, you know, gradually okay. a little at a time. Well, I think that was very helpful to our caller. I hope so. And we're going to take our next break, and we'll be back right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Dr. Holm is here ready and has been answering some of the questions coming in. We do appreciate your calls. It means a lot to us. If you have anything that you want to know of a medical nature, anything on your mind, we had another call with a woman talking about vegetarian. I've got a couple of grandkids who think they're vegetarians. It does kind of drive me up a wall, but this... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's fine. If they're healthy with it, I'm happy. But this mother has a good question. She said her daughter decided she's a vegetarian. Actually, no meat and no fish. If she's not having meat, not having fish, I'm fearful she'll not get enough iron in her diet. And I know women really need iron. Should I be worried? What can she eat other than meat to fill her need for iron? I don't think spinach alone is going to do it. Right. Uh, I think that uh, if you're not on any kind of meat, like fish or 
fish or meat? Just meat or there's another tank. term for it. Maybe vegan. Is vegan the one that doesn't do well, fish too? Well, and then there is lacto-ovarian, which have means that you don't have milk and you don't have eggs. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's fine as long as they get yeah, healthy. You do want them to right. be healthy. Yeah, you want them to eat a balanced diet. Right. So you have to know the vegetarian principles. You have to have a combination of a cereal plus a legume to make uh, it safe. But doing all the right things, you're still going to miss out in certain things. And iron is one, and B12, vitamin B12 is another. And I've seen people who were so malnourished that they were without B12, then they ha they were demented because of well, no B12. You, uh, we don't want that. You don't want dementia. Can you just get that in a pill form? You can get that in a pill form. You wish they'd get it in their food, but if they're not? Then you get it in a pill form. Okay. And so if I were a vegetarian, whether I was a lacto-ovo-vegetarian -ovo uh, or not, uh, I would... I would probably uh, take vitamin B12, and I would probably take over-the-counter iron supplement. Remember, though, the the most uh, one of the most common poisonings of children is iron. So, if you buy iron tablets, you've got to be very careful that they are in a child-proof cap, in a child-proof space. You don't want little kids eating iron and poisoning and killing themselves with iron overdose but women like this is her daughter so girls do need iron women can be lower in iron than men is that uh, correct right although you know there's even a theory that the reason that women don't have heart disease until after menstruation is because of they their are iron deficient and that iron deficiency causes a protective factor for their arteries who knows why and who knows if this is really true and i just mm -hmm. said it only to tell you that the daggone world of what's the right answer is not always as clear as it it seems obvious your favorite line medicine is not an exact science yes right? uh, so that has stuck in my head you said that not. maybe 25 years ago uh, it's not an it's exact science not i would just say that if you're uh if you are definitely a vegetarian that you you it wouldn't hurt you to be monitored with some testing and make sure you're talking to your doctor about the fact that you're doing it and then at the same time, periodically, I mean, and, and at the same time, I think uh, people who are on a strict meatless diet need to be on some form of iron supplement. You should ask your doctor what dose. Generally, it's over-the-counter, you know, uh, iron. Be careful you don't poison your children with it. And a B12 supplement. Okay. Don't poison your children with it, even if your daughter is young. Make sure that she does get the right amount of iron, probably right. getting into a doctor for a visit and Monitor. saying what you're eating, and the doctor will give you some advice on what to do. Periodic CBC and a panel C. And uh, if you're a, a vegetarian, that would do you some good. If you're not a vegetarian and you're eating a nice balanced diet, then you're getting all those good things. Eat, right. a, eat enough. You know, if you really look at the major things that really helps us, it is the vegetables, but it's nice to have a little meat in there. It's nice to have a little egg here and there. And so vegetables do have some iron in them, right? I know spinach. We always kid about Popeye and they... Yeah. So, but, but not all vegetables. Not all of that iron is readily available you know, or, or absorbable. Okay. So, you, you know, you've got to be careful about all of that, too. So absorption is 
part of it. That's what I'm living with right now is this absorption of the food I'm eating. I may have eaten 2,000 calories this morning with the, with the, the biscuits and gravy and hash brown. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you did. But, but what will you absorb? How much the of that's going to be absorbed? And, yeah. uh, you know, so in the face of all that, I've, <laughs> I'm still losing a little weight. But you know what? I feel fine about it. There you, go. you know, that's what happens with uh, celiac patients, that they, they eat normally, but they don't absorb all the nutrients, right. right? Small intestine is a marvelous organ. People don't realize how important the small intestine is. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, one more revelation of my new experience. Yeah, Bob? You could eat tripe. <laughs> tripe. <laughs> He's helpful, isn't he? Well, you know, my grandmother was, an, uh, was a nurse, the old-time nurse, oh, and yeah. we never dared complain about being sick. As her fixes for us kids were a spoonful of cod liver oil yeah, I could hear or that an coming. enema. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> what was with enemas? When I was I a kid, know. that was it. Oh, they were convinced an enema well, would do my it. My dad was thinking, was oh, horrible. you need an enema. I said, you know, I don't need an enema. Oh, I know. We, we learned very early. Never, you got healthy so fast. <laughs> never complain to my grandmother because those were the two things, first two she'd go for. Now, uh, someone under 30 probably wouldn't know what the heck we're talking about. No, but I, our age group, our parents or grandparents, and I know will cure everything. We oh. didn't think so. Well, you know what? There are people in California who think those enemas will cure everything. Oh, 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 they're nuts. Yeah. To choose. That's where I think it's uh, crazy to choose to have one. No, thank you. Why would you? Okay. Well, we're on that happy <laughs> note. We'll take our final break. Be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're down to a couple of minutes. We do appreciate the calls coming in. And one is turning to your op opioid, how do you say, opioid? Opioid. Op opioid, you, you're using opioids. Yes. And this person said, I've read, the majority of opioids that people abuse start in the medical system as a legitimate prescription. Four out of five heroin uh, users Started, started with pain medicines after their surgery. If you agree with this, and you do, I do, what do you think the physicians can do to stem this horrible addiction? Well, you know, what, what's happening is doctors are saying, okay, well, you know, you, you're, you're asking for too much of this stuff. I'm cutting you back. And so they go out into the real world and find heroin because it's cheaper. So that's not a help. It doesn't seem to be the right answer for everybody. If you look at societal's needs and what what bends the ear and what causes a person to do one thing or another, I think the major thing is that we don't overprescribe opioids after surgery. Uh, you give them a, a very short supply, and then you see them quickly after surgery, and then you continue to dose accordingly but very carefully with the bargain that, you know, please try less and less as you can go. Um, and I'm right, I'm right there. The problem with less and less is that you back off until you start hurting again and then you go, oh, I don't like this. I have to be in a level of, a certain level of hurting uh, to be backing off on pain medicines. Right. So, so that's, medicine that's, doesn't, the, the physicians don't have an answer yet, do they? No, no. It's a pity, uh, but I think maybe people aware of how dangerous it is I if think you're, right. you're you, aware, so you, you know you need them now, but you know you're not going to allow yourself to get hooked on them, yeah, right? Because you you're so aware of the problems. So that uh, I am uh, scrambling to 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 back off on this th these things, but I can tell you that I'm still hurting, and I'm still using them, uh, and we'll use 
excuse me, and we use them um, to uh, at that level of I can tolerate it. I'm not greatly comfortable, but I can tolerate it and see if I can continue to taper as I go. Okay, so probably just knowledge and people being aware of it will help. Something has to help because it's really gotten overwhelming. Yeah. The, 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 the uh, overuse incidents of, of overuse. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, there are people dying, suffocating to death daily. Oh, it's a terrible it's thing. An awful, it's an awful thing. Something that's really helping people <coughs> and then ends up turning on them. Don't like it. Hey, we have a caller who has a minor cancer, but she said it's still cancer. I'm having basal cell carcinoma removed next week. The doctor says this is going to prevent any growth of the cancer. I've been told it's nothing to worry about. I'm sorry. The word is cancer. I'm worried. What comment do you have about basal cell carcinoma? Very rarely, very, 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 very rarely does it ever spread by blood. It just spreads locally. Now, sometimes it can be get away with you, and you you remove it locally, and then it comes back, and then it then it you remove it locally, and it comes back, and then you need a Mohs surgeon. What's happening now is the Mohs everybody's being trained as a Mohs surgeon. It makes a whole bunch of money for them, so they're doing everybody with a Mohs surgery, which is inappropriate. I think excessive. You're saying Mohs surgery. M O H, Mohs. Mohs. M O H. Uh, apostrophe S, Mohs surgery. And that, that's and removing... That, and then that what they do is they remove the cancer and then they look on the microscope right then and there. Is there any cancer on the edge of the specimen? No, there's no cancer. We got it all. Or yes, I see cancer. So we go take another piece, look at it on the microscope. There's still cancer on the edge of the cut again. Is there still okay. cancer? So sometimes you have to do Mohs surgery and it's important to. But okay. Uh, I think it's been overdone. Ooh, we got a half a minute left. Yeah. Okay, so she shouldn't be too worried. Basal cell, it's not spread hematogenously. It's safe. Scrape it off. It'll probably be gone and never reoccur. They're going to probably do most surgery on you anyway, I, 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 which is excessive and not appropriate in my mind. <laughs> Over, <laughs> overuse. There's a time for it, but over, there's a time not to do it. Okay. Well, okay. we hope that... Lays her fears, and we hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Vera Medical Group Brookings. Thank you, Rick. That's all till next week. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. And stay healthy out there, people.